It's a special Saturday episode of the JRPG Report, episode 124. Don't go anywhere. I've got three really big stories to talk to you guys about. I just couldn't wait, so stay tuned right now. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I guess it is a special Saturday episode. We're not doing a Sunday special this week as I've got uh, three big stories I want to talk about. There were some other smaller ones, but we'll save those uh, for our normal podcast on Wednesday. But I just could not wait. Uh, sometimes, you know, we barely have enough for one podcast week, but if stuff really breaks, I want to bring it to you in a timely fashion. So I was already kind of considering doing a podcast based off the, um, oh gosh, what was the Microsoft presentation that they did the other day? Um, Xbox games showcase and, you know, a lot of times that doesn't really apply to our genre Xbox. You know, they, they do get occasional games and we'll actually talk about two of them uh, today, but by and large, that is a switch and PlayStation uh, area. So I was already considering it anyway. Um, of course, if you remember last year, Tales of Arise debuted during the Xbox presentation at E3, although it was obviously for multi-platforms. However, just yesterday, um, I don't even know <laughs> where this came from, um, but there was some big news kind of circulating the day before of a possible announcement. And if you are an old school JRPG fan like myself, you're going to want to pay attention for sure. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of reading during this one. So just kind of chill out and, and, and take it all in. Cause there's a lot of information actually about this one. And I hope I get the name of this correct because I've not heard it pronounced yet. And we're going to call it, um, Euden Chronicle. 100 Heroes, that's E-I-U, okay, let me start again, U-E-I-Y-U-D-E-N, and so however you would pronounce that, I am not sure, this is coming from a brand new Rabbit and Bear Studios, it's a Tokyo-based studio, now this is where it gets interesting, if I haven't already got you. These are from key creators of the Sukaden series. They have branched off and finally made their own studio after years of uh, stonewalling from Konami to try to revive this beloved series. They said, okay, we'll just go make it ourselves. And that is exactly what has happened. Um, Euden Chronicle 100 Heroes is an ambitious new RPG planned for release in fall of 2022. It is seeking a Kickstarter campaign right now. They're trying to get $500,000. This will give them a PC release. And should um, they meet that, their next goals actually line up to be console releases. So you're talking fall 2022, so you're going to be talking about PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and they say either Switch or the next generation Switch, whatever um, is available. This Kickstarter is going to start on July 27th and run for a full month until August 28th. There was a 
very short teaser trailer along with uh, some images. If you want to head over to YouTube, you can check out those two. Uh, I posted the trailer as well as put all the images into a video and you can check those out. A lot of people have. It's been pretty cool to to get this because the internet buzz is a flowing on this one, guys. Um, Eden Chronicle is being led. These are the uh, founding members of Rabbit and Bear Studios. Um, veteran scenario writer Yoshitaka Moriyama. He was the writer for Sukaden 1 and 2. Osama Kumuta and Junshi Murakami. These, uh, as well as uh, Junko Kanawano. The project marks the first time these four creators have worked together on a game, as well as the first time that Moyama and Kawano have collaborated in 25 years. Like I said, these are veterans of this industry and well-known. You will have heard of some of their projects, uh, surely. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up um, directly. Uh, let's see here, yes. So, of course, yeah, Moyama, Sukunin 1 and 2, He'll be writing the story. Uh, Komota, who worked on Sukunin Tactus and the DS one, uh, Terracris. I believe that's how you say Sukunin Terracris. I'm not exactly sure. I've got it. I don't know how to say it. He'll be in charge of system design and direction. Um, and then the character designer for this one is Kawano. He did the character designs on Sukunin 1 and 4. So this project is in good hands, to say the least. Um... Obviously, these guys have set out to try and make what is a spiritual successor to the Suganen series. Um, Konami has said that the, the series is dead in the water. It's not coming back. So this was really the only way of getting it. Obviously, they cannot call it Suganen 6, but it's going to have a lot of those same elements. And um, you'll hear a bit about this. So the first thing they said, here's a quote from Moriyama. He said in a press release, they said, the first thing we decided when our members came together was it's about time. We made a really interesting game that we ourselves want to make for years. These people had been wanting to make this game and just could not do it. He said, we chose Kickstarter in order to make an interesting game with the players in mind, uh, hold the rights in the planning world and story of the game. And while keeping the fun of the project, please lend us your support in this new challenge of ours. We promise to create something that will heed the call of your voices. And this was an interview with Hengamatsu. Um, he said, he said, Iudin uh, Chronicles is all about war. And more importantly, the intention and feelings of these 100 heroes who fight in that war from a variety of perspectives and for a variety of different reasons. And of course the drama that can only occur when a group of different people from different walks of life come together and must wage war of life and death. So already you're starting to see some of the parallels, um, to the Sukuning games. Uh, they didn't want to do 108 <laughs> characters. Um, so they chose on a hundred. This seems logical. So you are going to be getting this group of people together from all different walks of life and forming an army. So like I said, very much <laughs> sticking to that script, but uh, it certainly uh, worked. So I don't know why <laughs> to go away from it. Um, 
He said that some characters are good at some things and bad at others. But if you combine them with other characters that can strengthen their weaknesses, you can end up with a really balanced team. And based on that delicate balance, your team can be more apt at mining or adventuring, which will affect the overall game progression loop. One of the core game loops in Euden is to experience a wide variety of different characters and personalities in your 100-person army. Now here's another cool part that you're going to like. Each new character uh, of your fortress town will grow in size and ability. So that's been kind of the hook before you. Like you've had a castle to renovate and uh, a build you've got. Uh, the ship in part four that turned into it. This is going to be a fortress town. It is a key system in the game. As you increase your teammates, some members will be blacksmiths, some chefs, and whether on the battlefield or not, each character will play a role in strengthening your resolve as an army. There are guilds which you can join, which are largely will change the visual makeup of your fortress town and grant different abilities. The more people you recruit, the stronger the snowball effect. Um, this one, I, I don't recall this from the series. Now, it's been a minute since I've played, but it says the more people to recruit, um, they say as you level up, new trade options appear along with enemies and thieves that will randomly attack your town in an effort to impede your progress. Now, there were some story attacks on your uh, developments, but this sounds like this could be kind of just a random thing that can pop up from time to time. I like that idea. It says you will need to make choices whether to strengthen your walls or hasten your progress. Each choice you make will play, uh, will play different and have its own consequences. And according to Muriyama, this is all just the tip of the iceberg, meaning that fans can expect much more to come. So I have got have I got your attention yet? Um, I am suspecting that if you are an old school fan like myself, uh, Sukuni is beloved, right? Um, you heard me just uh, the other day talking about Sukunin 2 being one of my all-time top 10 favorite JRPGs. I'll be honest, Part 5 didn't miss the cut by much. I am a huge, huge fan of this series, and this has me just uh, overflowing with excitement. So obviously, we've got a while to go, um, at least two years, depending on how things go, but... Uh, here is kind of the official um, nugget of what the game is about. Iuden uh, Chronicle Hunter Heroes is an ode to classic Japanese RPG genre from the PlayStation era that will feature classic Japanese RPG exploration and battles in a high-resolution 2.5D graphical style, which means it's going to be, you know... well. Take a look at the trailer. That'll be the best way to explain how it looks. It gives you a perfect little nugget. Take a look at the images. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. There's no way around that this is not extremely inspired, but kind of taking that next logical leap as well. So in addition to those 2.5D graphics, pixel-based graphics, and a story of war and friendship, a diverse cast of 100 unique heroes to join their protagonist's endeavor and build a fortress-building system to grow their army. The game will feature a guild system that will allow players to change their fortress attributes based on the guild they join. Battles will be turn-based. Yeah. 
uh, with parties of up to six. There you go. And feature a dynamic boss battles that change camera angle and rotate depending on the environment. You will also see this in the trailer. So it's a little hard to explain. And I think this is just going to be for boss battles. I think standard battles aren't going to play out this way. But bosses have a set defined area. And so in you see a clip of the boss battle. And you see actually each character kind of being on a different plane so you've got your kind of attackers up closer on a pathway that's much closer to the boss while as your magic and your range attack people are actually back a little bit more on their own like little cliff area um and it did kind of show like it rotating um from one point to another behind those characters as they attacked like i said it's a short trailer so you can't get a ton out of it but man does it look exciting let me give you a little bit more information about Rabbit and Bear Studios before we talk about the individual um, characters that have been announced so far. So, Rabbit and Bear Studios was founded back in March 26th of 2020. I actually heard about this before, but I didn't bring it to y'all's attention. As I, uh, it was such a small little blurb. I didn't really uh, pay too much attention to, to it. Obviously, I should have. <laughs> um, it was formed by Yoshitaka Moriyama, and he asked the studio asked the age-old question, what do gamers really want? It's something that we must never forget as creators, they say. To continually focus on only to continually focus on giving the fans the experience that they really want. We have created Rabbit and Bear Studios as a first step in realizing the dream and having the responsibility that comes with it. It's our core philosophy, and we plan to lead by our actions. Um, so we mentioned some of these people before. Um, uh, Junshi Mokiyama also is in charge of art, art direction and design and production. He previously worked on Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. Obviously a pretty decent one. And we're going to have some music that you may have heard of. Maybe not the people in particular, but um, Michiko Naruke is of the Wild Arms series. And Moto... Sakuruba is of the Tales of series as well as others. So they've got some pedigree uh, in their designers and um, key developers. And that should just, I mean, you've got this collection of talent. It, it almost sounds like it's too good to be true, right? But we've got a long ways to go. So here's some of the story first. They say, welcome to the content of Alran. Our story begins in one corner of Alran, a tapestry of nations with diverse cultures and values by dint of sword and by way of magical objects known as rune lenses. Yeah, so okay, we're not dealing with runes. It, they're the rune lenses. They're they're completely different, right? <laughs> Uh, the land's history has been shaped by the alliances and aggressions of the humans, beastmen, elves, and desert people who live there. The Galdean Empire has etched out other nations and discovered a technology that amplifies the rune lenses' magic. Now the Empire is scouring the continent for an artifact that will expand their power even further. It is on one sex expedition that Seen Kessling, S E I G N, a young gifted Imperial officer, and Noah, N O W A, a boy from a remote village, meet each other and become friends. However, a twist of fate will soon drag them into the fires of war and force them to both re-examine everything they believe in to be right and true. Sounds a bit 
like Sukunin 2, maybe. I, I, obviously, this is going to be... I think this is where we're going to get some bit of new stuff that hasn't been told before. And I'm perfectly okay with that. It sounds like a very interesting um, dynamic to this world. They are setting up a large-scale war, so that is to be expected. So here are the characters. Uh, first is Noah. He is a male, age 17, from a rote village in the League of Nations. His favorite food is... Anything with meat in it. Of course, food is important. You've got to know your favorite foods for the perhaps cooking mini game. And uh, his quote is, "I, that's who I am, a meddler. Always will be, just ask lean. So don't tell me to do, okay, so don't tell me to do nothing. I may not be able to help them, but at least I want to try. His character design is strongly uh, bringing up the main character of two, except he has kind of these long, not swords, but they have hooks on the end of them, kind of like a harpoon type look. They're a pretty cool looking weapon. They say, when the League of Nations recruits warriors to assist in a joint expedition with the Gaudarian Empire, our protagonist answers the call and leaves his remote village to test his skills. On the mission, he finds an ancient runes lens, rune lens, underwear the discovery will spark a war between the League and the Empire. After the conflict begins, he joins a unit in the League's border guard. The protagonist is the, quote, Luke look before you leap type. No, I'm sorry. He is the leap before you look type. Uh, that's <laughs> very, very different. Uh, he doesn't always weigh the pros and cons before springing into action. And while his constant need to involve himself in other people's problems sometimes creates headaches for his companions, they like him for it and know his heart is in the right place. After all, if they ever got into trouble, he'd be the first one to be there. The other character we already mentioned, Sing, Sin, Kissing. I'm going to have to figure out how to say that one. That's always the weird names. He is a male, aged 18, and he's from a noble house in the Gadean Empire. His favorite food is poached eggs. Look, uh, I can dream all I want, but it won't change a thing, is his quote. The world is not that kind. So if the only way to achieve my ideals is to betray them first, then I will do that, unflinchingly. You have my word. He is the second-born son to the House Kessling, a powerful imperial family. His older brother died on the battlefield. Sane is especially gifted. After achieving outstanding grades at the military academy, he was placed in command of a company of his peers and sent on an expedition to find the ancient runes lens. Ancient rune lens. Why do I keep saying that? During the mission, he meets the protagonist. The two warn to each other as they, as they overcome adversity, and they learn of each other's ambitions. Scene's strategic mind allows him to analyze things from a broad perspective and make sound decisions. People often confuse his clear mind for a cold heart, but he is guided by strong ideals and a deep passion to fulfill him. After his brother's death during a border rebellion, Scene began to think long and hard about what it means to fight. The third character, there was seven in total, is Marissa. She's a female, age 16, and one of the guardians who watches over the forest, and she loves herb chicken. She says, just leave the forest to me. I know where the water springs, where the rabbits burrow, and most importantly, where your enemies will try to hide. She's a young member of the guardians, a clan that hallows and protects the forest. Since Marissa was very little, her family has instilled their ways and traditions in her. She has a warm affable smile except on the battlefield where she wears the countenance of a warrior 
Although the Guardians live with one in the Force, they have respect for the outside world's culture and technology, and they are not against integrating the parts of it that make sense to them. Marissa is particularly forward-thinking in this regard and loves new things, especially cute things. Over the generations, the Guardians have developed a unique method of wielding the runes lens. I'm never going to get that right, am I? The rune lenses. For that reason, both the Empire and the protagonist try to win them over with their, in, to their camp. Whom the Guardians choose will prove to be a major turning point in history. And here is Mildridge. No, Melridge. He is a male, 27 years old, a scholar of natural history, and he loves duck soup. So he's going to be our strategic guy, obviously. Uh, you should lay down your arms and surrender, he says. That's the quickest way to end this. No? Very well. Then I suppose I'll provide you with the next best thing. A winning strategy. He's a young scholar who specializes in natural history. He yearns to know of every last thing in the world and exactly how it got there. He also happens to be a genius tactician and will be a valuable asset to the protagonist. That said, he views warfare as the most pointless in all of human endeavors and any personal contributions to it as a complete waste of time. Well, <laughs> you're going to be called upon, pal. So you might want to get over that. As we know, there's always uh, you always have to have you, your uh, uh, strategy person that is uh, in charge of all those things. So our next character is Gar. He's a male, 32 years old. He's a warrior in the clan of mercenaries. His favorite food is pancakes slathered with whipped cream. He says, only a soft brain leader runs headlong into danger. Anyone who knows what's good for him will tell you you've lost it, kid, but not me. If blaze of glory is your thing, count me in. We all die in the end. Might as well make it interesting. He is a veteran beastman warrior. Kind of looks like a, a humanoid, with a, but he's a wolf standing upright. Very intimidating looking. Uh, he and his clan make their living as mercenaries. And their vast experience and sheer brutality put them in high demand. War is all Garden has known. And to him, life is one battlefield after another until you die. When a conflict breaks out, every army wants as many beastmen as they can afford. Because mercenary contracts are made with individuals and not the entire clan, it is not uncommon for Garden's fellow beastmen to face each other as enemies in the field. Our next character is L Lion. Leon, L-I-A-N, is a female, 16 years old, um, from a martial arts dojo. And her favorite food is super spicy ramen. Um, <laughs> so she says, uh, maybe I'm dumbing down this a little bit, but like if a bunch of arrogant swine strut into your home and start acting like they own the place, what would you do? Because there's your answer. <laughs> so she got some sass. After the Imperial forces invaded League lands, Leon is infuriated and runs away from home, even without even the slightest semblance of a plan. She decides the first thing to do is hover to the biggest town she can find, and luckily that's where she meets the protagonist and his companions. Leon was born in a dojo, and her father wasted no time in teaching her. She was doing a roundhouse kick before she even learned to walk properly. And our last character is... Mio. He's a female, 27 years old, from the Far East. Her favorite food is bamboo-wrapped sassa dumplings. She says the road you walk is one, and yet its endpoints are a myriad. You can still choose where the road takes you. 
She is a swordsman who is journeying to find the perfect way of the blade. She is a stoic personality and rarely speaks, unless it's to challenge someone she views as a worthy opponent. When she does have something to say, it's usually straight to the point and dripping with wisdom, so the people around her have a way of calling her sensei. sensei. However, even the greatest of senseis do have the occasional brain fart. Um, there are some images that go along with this uh, with no description, but they show a water-stead town of Quinja, a very quaint-looking place, has a eastern feel to it with lots of water features. And then there's a seaside cavern. Um, looks like there is a shipwreck in the middle of a lagoon underground, and that's also where you get some images of the first boss fight. So that is all the information we have about it so far. Like I said, that is usually something that we don't get quite as much as that all at once, but I definitely wanted to pass that along to you guys so we're all kind of on equal footing. Obviously, anything I hear about this one, from now on, we do have a little bit of time. I will keep you posted on it. But like I said, that Kickstarter starts in just a couple of days, lasts for a month. I have never done a Kickstarter before. I'll be honest. I've never really felt like it was anything worthy of it or something that I wanted to give personal funds. I don't see how I'm not going to with this one. It seems like the perfect game to start a Kickstarter with. Sometimes you see them too where it's like, you know, a major studio doing one. I'm like, no, you need to just do it the normal way. <laughs> You've got the money. These guys are just starting a new studio. They've got a great idea. They've already got several assets in place. I feel like that's the right kind of right way to do it. Then get it started and uh, to bring it to the masses. So yeah, I'll be I'll be involved with this one for sure. Are you guys excited as I am? I certainly hope so. Uh, make sure and reach out to us either on our Facebook page or Twitter or YouTube comment. Let me know how excited you are about it. But that's our first story. We're going to take a pause, have a word from Anchor, and I'll be back with our last two stories, including a big sale going on the PSN store right now that you'll want to check out here on the JRPG Report, episode 124. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Let's talk just a little bit about one of the other things that, well, I guess one of the things that was announced uh, the other day at the Xbox Games show, and that was Sega has announced Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis. I'm sorry, that was the Xbox Games Showcase. My bad. <laughs> it will begin service in 2021 for Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC in North America. And PlayStation 4, PC, um, and the cloud switching PC in Japan. So, yet again, North American uh, PlayStation 4 and Switch owners left in the dark on this one. Uh, Fancy Star Online 2 New Genesis is a new entry in the PSO2 universe. And this is a development on a global scale. It is a complete overhaul 
of the game systems and graphics in celebration of their 20th anniversary. Here is some details via Xbox Wire. Online action RPG Fantasy, R- Fantasy Star Online 2 is well known for its unparalleled character car- customization and battle action, which captivated the world and has announced a new entry, New Genesis. One of the goals of New Genesis is to create the ultimate Fantasy Star Online 2 in which time-tested elements are kept intact while the game design, gameplay, and graphics engines will be completely redesigned and reborn in all aspects. We are working very hard to offer players unparalleled character customization, limitless adventure, and the best action online RPG available. And they will, of course, support Xbox Series X. In the future, here are the three key words to remember. Uncharted, expansive world, unknown threats, the true adventure starts now. So that's, it's a little confusing and I'm still a little confused as to what it is. And so it seems to be like, okay, this is going to be the next evolution of the game and it's going to kind of phase out. But then... A article came not there long after and said that they will coexist when it launches as a free-to-play title in 2021. Um, but it's an update, and it'll still go on. So I think the way I understand it is you can go over to this new one if you would like. If you just want to stay put where you're at, you can do that. Now, how long that's going to be available for that remains to be seen. I can't imagine them supporting both of them forever unless there's some massive fan outcry uh, for that. But you never you never quite know. Um, there are some items that are not compatible with New Genesis that you have obtained before, including skill rings, consumable items used for battle, growth and enhancement, boost items, materials, and furnishings. The above information is subject to change. We would greatly appreciate your understanding in that matter. Um, so yeah, and like I said, there's also a lot of things that I don't quite understand cause I haven't played, um, these ones, uh, character growth will not be shared between fantasy star online two and new Genesis examples of character growth, not shared include level experience, class skills, photon arts, and techniques. It kind of sounds like it's also kind of a new game. So you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be, um, carried over, uh, in that aspect. So I've got um, new images and two new trailers kind of explaining all this, that this will probably make a lot more sense if you are a player of these rather than my mindless rambling. So head over to our YouTube channel. Don't forget, if you haven't already, go ahead and uh, subscribe to that. You can check out those two videos and they will do a better job of speaking to you in language that you're <laughs> probably a little more uh, familiar with and can do a better job. Um, there is a big summer sale going on the uh, PlayStation Network right now, and it's going to be going on for a little while. Let's see. This is until August the 20th, so you've got plenty of time to check out these. There was, um, let's see, I think there's right under 200 games on sale, and 44 of them uh, match the criteria of RPG. So I've, I'm going to highlight some of these bigger ones for you guys that can point out some are JRPGs, some will fall outside that range. But uh, you've got games like um, Akaba's Beat down to just 750. You got, we just talked about the sequel. 
Bertilia Raza coming out soon. Well, if you've not played that one, now is the perfect time to do this. On the PlayStation Store, they've got it down to <laughs> uh, 39% off. Never heard that before. Don't know why. But it is 39% off to bring it to $36.59. Kind of ridiculous. But hey, that's a pretty good little discount. Now, if you want it physical, I have seen it on, I believe, Amazon. Put it down to $40. So that's extremely good um, price point for PlayStation 4. Switch owners. There is still... No copies of this game out there. I've seen reports of eBay copies of this thing going for ridiculous amounts. And I know nobody would actually pay this, but somebody had to actually list it at $600. Which, hey, I love the game. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But I would never pay more than list price for a game. That's just kind of insane. But if you have not picked this one up, absolutely. Now is the time to do it if you're a PlayStation 4 owner uh divinity original sin 2 is down to 30 bucks uh i believe that's the first one dragon quest heroes the first one is down to 20 dollars uh you can get the original final fantasy 7 just eight dollars that is a really good deal that's half off half off for final fantasy 8 remastered as well down to 20 bucks we'll do a quick plug here, I'm supposed to be recording with Dalton next week over on his Steam Machine podcast. The Steam Machine. You got to make sure you put the the in there. Um, we're going to be recording next week a special uh, Final Fantasy VIII um, podcast. They have been playing it for the past couple weeks, and I believe they're going to wrap it up next week. And I'm going to kind of join um, him and talk about the game now. I'm sorry, Dalton. I know it's your jam, but I did have some problems with the game, and so I'll just spend my time bashing it, and you can spend your time defending it, and we'll have a fun little conversation. <laughs> so definitely look out for that. I'll post the link on, uh, or Dalton will post the link on the group so you guys can check that out. If you've not picked out Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, it's half off now for $24.99. You may be able to keep in mind all these ones that are not digital only. You may be able to find them on sale physical as well that's an excellent price for an excellent game uh, if you've been holding off on final fantasy 15 multiplayer comrades expansion it's just five bucks if you want to play perhaps the best version of final fantasy 15 well pocket edition hd is down to just 15 dollars uh, if you haven't picked it up previously final fantasy 10 and 10 2 hd remaster are just 1250 for two really good games. I enjoyed part two, not as much as part one, but I enjoyed it a lot as well. So that's a really good deal on that. Um, they've got Horizon Zero Dawn, which is not an RPG, but it's on this list <laughs> down to $15. Um, I've seen that physical for cheaper than that even. Um, I Am Setsuna is down to $20. That's probably a pretty appropriate price point for that game. It may have been what it should have started off with to begin with all the kingdom hearts are on sale so you can get 1.5 and 2.5 remix down to just 20 dollars that's excellent uh 2.8 final chapter is 20 bucks and kingdom hearts 3 is 70 percent off right now you wouldn't pay 60 for it anyway but it's down to 18 dollars if you'd like to check that out nino kuni 2 
I was a little, you know, harsh on the game. However, if I could have got it for $15, 75% off right now, I'd have felt a whole lot better about the game. That's for sure. Anunnaki is down half off to 25 Persona 5 Royal, even getting a discount at the moment, is down to $45. Residence of Fate 4K HD Edition is 10 bucks off, down to $24.49. Romancing Saga 2, half off, down to $12.50. Saga Scarlet Grace Ambitions is 20 bucks and 9 pennies. Uh, the original remake for Secret of Mana is down to $20.00. Uh, the remake of Star Ocean First Departure R is down to fourteen oh six. That's a thirty three percent discount. Um, often hated on, but I actually kind of liked it. Star Ocean Five Integrity and Faithlessness is down to just twelve dollars. I believe more people would be on board if they only paid twelve bucks for it for sure. Uh, Star Ocean Four: The Last Hope. 4K and full HD remaster is down to just $11. That's a great deal for that game. I really enjoyed it. I think I paid full price at 21 for it, so half off is excellent. The original, or I guess the first one, Trails of Cold Steel 1, yeah, it's digital, but for $24, you could not get a better deal on that. Um, the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, down to just $12. And World of Final Fantasy is down to twelve fifty. The last one that I could not recommend any more highly as well, Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition, is fourteen ninety nine. That as well, you could pick up at uh, for physical, and I did. Even though I owned it on Switch, I picked it up on PlayStation Physical for just $15 off of Amazon. I cannot see if that deal is still going on or if they've ran out. Um, of course, I could tell you, if, even if it said it right now, and that could change by the time you listen to that, so I won't throw that out there. But what a deal for an absolutely fantastic, some would say, and it'd be hard for me to argue against it, that it's the best Tales experience. So, yeah, check out these deals going on until August the 20th over on the PlayStation Network. One last thing to talk about, and I saved the uh, the best for last, I guess we, you could <laughs> say in some aspects. But we'll see where I go with this in just a minute. I wanted to wait a few days at the Xbox Games Showcase. It was announced that indeed Xbox owners will be able to play Dragon Quest XI now. So Square Enix will release Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of the Elusive Age Definitive Edition for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Xbox Play Anywhere title and PC via Steam and Microsoft Store on December 4th worldwide. The company announced it will also be available via Xbox Game Pass. That's pretty cool. The... Uh, the original game first launched back on PlayStation 4 and 3DS in Japan in July 2017. Then it came out for PlayStation 4 and PC September 2018 worldwide. Um, Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of the Elusive Age Definitive Edition is an enhanced version of the original game with numerous elements, which also is available for the Switch that came out in September of 2019. So in case you forget, here is what this version 
is all about. There are new character side stories to know fascinating cast of companions more than ever with individual side stories and adventure. There is the retro 2D mode. In addition to having stunning 3D, you can also choose to play in 2D with the retro-inspired graphics of classic 16-bit RPGs. I kind of feel like it was more like the 8-bit one <laughs> was kind of represented that a little bit better, but obviously with more 16-bit detail to it. The 16-bit world of Tinkington. <laughs> Journey to the past Dragon Quest worlds full of additional side quests imagined in this retro style. You get the Japanese audio. You can choose to play the entire game with the new Japanese voiceover or full or the original English. And, of course, the fully orchestrated soundtrack. The ability to switch between the symphonic soundtrack or the original synthesized soundtrack as you travel all over the world. As well as photo mode. You can immortalize your adventure with the perfect image, rearrange characters, sets, different poses, etc., etc. So that's the differences in between those two games in case you were um, wondering. So there's also included a frequently asked questions portion. And here's where we get to <laughs> some things. Uh, so they say, what are the differences from, from the Nintendo Switch version? In terms of content, there are no differences whatsoever. However, differences in spec may result in differences in graphical quality. Uh, next question. I already own the PlayStation 4 version of Dragon Quest XI. Is it possible to upgrade to Dragon Quest XI-S? No, this is not possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get through this and then I'll react to all of them, Okay. Uh, are there any differences between the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Game Pass, and Steam versions? In terms of content, there are no differences. However, differences in spec may result in differences in graphical quality. Obviously, a beefed-up PC may slightly make it look better than uh, than another version. Um, is it possible to synchronize data between Xbox One and Windows 10? Yes. Can you create multiple saves? Of course, you can get up to nine of them. How do you switch between 2D and 3D mode? They say it's possible to switch at uh, at any church or campsite. When you switch, you'll need to select your current chapter or one you've already completed, and you'll be able to play from that point. So it's not truly, oh, I'd love to play this point in 2D. No, you're 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 saving it and you're kind of loading into that point. Um, as a rule, most information, including party members' levels and attributes, your inventory, and battle history. Draconian quest choices, complete status, completion status, accolades, etc., will be carried over from one mode to another unless there is a story related reason this is not to be the case. Um, can you turn voices on and off? Yes, you can do that. Uh, can save data from the demo version be carried over to the full game? Yes, it's possible to use save data from the demo. Uh, can you switch between Japanese and audio and English? Yes, we talked about that um, before. This. Relationship between this title and previous Dragon Quest XI title for PlayStation 4 and Switch, is the story different from the Nintendo Switch version? No, it's exactly the same. Will I still enjoy this title if I've never played Dragon Quest XI on PlayStation 4 or Dragon Quest XI S on Nintendo Switch? Yes, anyone can enjoy this title, including if you've never played any of them before. What's the difference between this title and the previously released Dragon Quest XI for PlayStation 4? Have the graphics been improved, for example? 
Answer, this version includes a number of new features that were not present in the original for PlayStation 4, including new storylines, the ability to switch to 2D mode, additional voice data, and more. It's a port of the Nintendo Switch version. So the graphics are not the same as they were for the original Dragon Quest XI for PlayStation 4. Please note, however, that the resolution and frame rate are at least as good as they were for the PlayStation 4 release. If... um, what will happen to the trophies I earned? This is a completely separate title. The trophy library is therefore also separate. So there you go. There's, that's maybe the answer that you were looking to hear. So you have the original released um, two years ago for PlayStation 4 and PC. Then you had the version for the Switch released with all the extra features. However, obviously it was had to be scrunched down to a Switch cartridge. Therefore, there was the need to uh, lessen the graphical fidelity of it quite a bit. Um, It looked good for what it did, right? Now, you're now taking that version and upscaling it back (laughs) to PlayStation 4, Xbox, and PC. So, really... Unless you are an Xbox owner and you've not played this game before, this is for you, okay? This is absolutely for you. If you don't have these other systems, this is going to be the best way to play the game. It's the only way to play the game. Um, If you are like myself and you bought this game the day that it came out and we're hoping for some sort of DLC that will you... Really the one that makes... That I want the most is the the orchestra music instead of the MIDI sounds. That's been the biggest head-scratcher that was removed from it. The 2D3 mode, that's cute, that's cool. I kind of feel like that's perfect for the Switch. Like, (laughs) you know, playing in handheld, it kind of has that retro feel to it. You know, and I would love to have had the um, all the party members on the field at the same time. That would have been really cool. That's what I wanted, and I didn't get that with the original version. At the same time, and I believe this has been quoted as going to come out at $40, right? I don't want to play on my PlayStation 4 a game that's not going to look as good as the original release. It's small, I'll give you that, but the differences are absolutely there. I've seen side-by-side with PlayStation 4 and the Switch versions. There is a noticeable difference. So... I am very happy that they're doing this, but at the same time, it would have been really, really nice if they just would have added those features to the PlayStation 4 version or the PC version. And then I might have even been willing to pay for it that way, but I can't. It's hard for me to bring myself to buy a downgraded version of the game to do again. I'll just pick it up for the Switch if that's the case, right? Like at least then I can kind of justify it, and by this point I might be able to get it. Uh, I guess a little bit cheaper. Obviously, once this one comes out, that switch price point will come down as well. But this one is a really, it's really kind of twisted me both ways, and I don't understand. Somebody uh, commented on that it was like the most Square Enix thing ever, right? Like this is exactly what you'd expect them to do. Not you, you make an announcement, get everybody excited, but at the same time you still make people scratch their heads over it 
and get a little befuddled. So it's good news. It's just uh, at the same time. Anyway, so that's kind of my piece on it. We may learn some more things about it that make me feel better one way or, or worse the other. I'm not quite sure. Are you guys excited about it? Are you also just like, Ugh, Dad, burn it. Why can't you just do it right? That would have been the easy way to do it. Um, and yeah, it's it's a minor point, but at the same time, I think it's a major point, and it, at least it is to me. So anyway, that's going to do it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. It's kind of always fun to come in here on Saturday and have some awesome things to talk about. Um, we'll have a lot more things to talk about on Wednesday, I'm sure. Maybe even some follow-up to these stories if anything breaks. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is James Fisher. This has been the JRPG Report episode 124. Until next time, guys, get back out there and level up.